Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. I think that the value of financial planning is really underrated. There are so many people out there who are staying up at night worried about money that don't have that clarity. And that doesn't matter your level of wealth. There are people who have many millions of dollars staying up at night worrying about money. And there are people who are in trouble paying their bills day to day and everything in between. So it doesn't matter what your financial situation is. Financial fear is real. It wears on your physical health, your mental health. I mean, it just is so trying in every area of your life. And financial planning is really the process of giving you the clarity and not just today, but going forward. So you know that the decisions that you're making today, what does that actually mean for my life going forward? Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome listeners. I have a treat for you today. I have Leah Hadley with me and she is the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Divorce Financial Solutions. And she is on a mission to help women through finances and divorce. So we are just so thankful for her time today. And listeners, it's going to be so good. We're going to kind of talk about finances surrounding divorce. And we're going to look at the what you can do before divorce, during a divorce, and after a divorce. So I'm glad that we're breaking it up that way. But I think to begin, I always love to get my guests' story, their authentic story as to what led Leah to help people through finances and divorce. So Leah, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It really is my pleasure. And this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. So I am very passionate about helping people through the financial aspects of divorce. And I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about why that is, because honestly, there are so many things in my life that have led me to this place. And I think that really is where my passion comes from. So when I was growing up, when I was eight years old, my own parents went through their divorce and my dad was pretty much out of the picture. I maybe saw him once a year. My mom worked hard. She worked really hard to make sure that we could stay in our home and, you know, just worked really long hours. She was tired at the end of the day because she really was working hard and raising two kids. And so growing up, witnessing that, I saw how hard it was. I saw how hard it was, you know, after the divorce. I saw how hard we made it on her in dealing with that transition. But I never necessarily saw myself like starting my own business or becoming a financial planner. I was fortunate enough that my mom was, she was an accountant by profession. And so she was financially savvy and she was able to teach me a lot about making smart financial decisions, especially as it relates to being in alignment with what really matters to you, what's really important. 
But then, you know, I actually went on to become a teacher. I got my undergraduate degree in sociology, my master's degree in, in education, but I got really burnt out in the classroom. I was teaching for Baltimore City Public Schools and was swimming in student loan debt at the time. And at the time, I took a temp job for an investment bank doing work as an administrative assistant in their equity research department. And when I walked into the investment bank that first day, it felt like everybody was speaking a foreign language. Like I really did not know what they were talking about. There were words they were using that I was just very unfamiliar with. And here I was feeling like an educated individual, somebody who, you know, had a graduate degree, had, you know, gone into my career and really was amazed at how limited my own financial knowledge was. I was very fortunate that I had some wonderful mentors that worked with me while I was there, did a lot of learning on my own, became a licensed uh, publishing analyst, and really got to learn a lot about investing and investing well during that period of time. But when we were ready to start our own family, it just wasn't the right career fit for me for having kids. And you know, I didn't want to be traveling so much. And so I became a traditional financial advisor working with individuals. And what I found very quickly when I was working with individuals was I was not alone in that limited financial knowledge and that most financial advising clients don't have a lot of financial knowledge, especially when we first start working together. And then when you take that and you compound it with one of the most stressful events that somebody is going on you know, in their life when they're going through a divorce, I went through my own divorce after 10 years of marriage. All of a sudden, you have this time where you're learning this whole new language around a divorce. You're trying to figure out your financial options. It just becomes so incredibly overwhelming. And there aren't a lot of solutions to help people. You know, most people think that when they're going through a divorce, the first thing they do is reject to an attorney. And maybe that's the right thing for them. Maybe it's not. It kind of depends on the nature of their situation. But they don't necessarily know about all of the other options that are available to them, as you well know. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important that people really have a strong understanding of their financial situation to be able to make decisions during that process. But traditional financial advisory services just aren't set up to help people in that way. And so this has become a passion of mine to really help people get through this transition as gracefully as possible from a financial standpoint, but really position them well for the next chapter of their life. Okay, that was, I didn't even know, I'm just getting to know you. And that was a great story. You you. I mean, you've been through this, not only one divorce that you saw your parents go through, but then again, yourself, and then just financial issues, probably with starting your own company, which I've faced and and feeling like you don't understand the language. And, you know, it's such a good point because I think I've learned so much about finances by helping my clients through it because I too was swimming in a sea of unknown. And I just always love I always think about the kids when I do this and I think about you as a little girl. And I love that this is helping the kids by helping that mom become savvy to understand her finance is going to help her have clarity, not to be stressed out, to know what she's doing, to teach her kids like your mom did. You know, so I'm like, oh, I love that it's (laughs) tying in the kids and the finances and I'm so excited to dig a little bit deeper. So I want to just, and I, of course, am so appreciative of you bringing up that there are different ways to do this. And what I'm finding with my clients who do a divorce mediation with me is they're so shocked. They're like, well, isn't there more? And it's like, no, you are getting along. We are doing this together. And no, it doesn't always work. 
right? There are certain right. situations where that's not going to work. But in most cases, when you have two willing people, it does work. And so it is an easier way. But I think that when I get my clients coming in and whether you're going to go through a regular divorce and hire attorneys and fire, you know, fight it out or collaborative law or mediation, there's things that you need to do before. Correct. And so I'm guessing that that's kind of the education time before, but you are the expert. So I'm going (laughs) to take notes and be better from you. So tell me more. Yeah. So it really depends on the nature of your situation. Now, I work with a lot of people who don't necessarily have a lot of financial knowledge as it relates to their individual situation. Actually, it's interesting. I work with either people who have very limited financial knowledge or people who are very financially savvy and realize the cost of some of the mistakes that they can make. So it's kind of extremes that we work with. But for those who have very limited financial knowledge, it is a great time to really learn about your financial situation. If you know that this is something that might be coming down the pike for you to really get clear on where's the income coming from? When is it coming in? What are the fixed expenses, the expenses that you are committed to month in and month out? What are the variable expenses where you have some control from month to month in terms of what those expenses may look like? You know, a lot of people feel like budgeting is a bad word, but even if there's just familiarity with the money coming in and money going out, you don't have a specific plan for it, which is really all budget is. That knowledge is really, really important. But then what are your assets? What do you own? What are your liabilities? What do you owe? It's really important to run a credit report. If that's not something that you do on a regular basis, I really encourage people to do it at least once a year. Um, You can get one from each of the credit reporting agencies once a year for free. So there's three agencies. So you could even do it you know, every four months consistently. Of course, there's lots of credit monitoring programs out there, but it's really important if you are somebody who hasn't established your own credit in your name and you're preparing for a divorce that you do get a credit history established for yourself. That is very important. And so that could look like, and that's going to depend on the nature of your situation, but that could look like getting a credit card in your own name, using it every month and paying it off every month just to establish that regular history of, yes, you can depend on me, lender, I'm going to pay my bills every month. And there are a lot of people who find that when they run their credit report, they realize, oh, actually, all of the credit cards are in my spouse's name. I'm just an authorized user. I don't actually have any cards or loans in my own name. So I haven't built up that credit history. So that is really important to be aware of where you stand with respect to that. And it comes up in a variety of different ways, right? Like sometimes people are having to refinance their vehicles as part of the divorce settlement process. Sometimes people are having to refinance their houses. Sometimes people are having to get an apartment on their own for the first time, maybe ever. So there are a lot of reasons why your credit may end up getting run as part of this transition. And so you really want to have a strong credit score as you can. So it's also a good opportunity to see if there's anything on your report that doesn't belong there that you need to deal with. So that's a great time to just make sure your credit report's really clean and you feel confident that you're building a good credit history for yourself. So you'll have access to that if you need it in the future. All right. I have a really dumb question that popped into my head when you were talking about credit reports. I don't know why, but is there any reason that there would be a negative implication for running a credit check? 
So now if you're just going and running your own credit report, annualcreditreport.com is just a free, you know, you can okay. get any of the reporting agencies reports through that site, one free a year. That does not have, and that's not a stupid question. I'm glad you asked it because okay. there might be people who are afraid to run it for that reason. And no, that does not have any impact on credit okay. score. All right. So we're kind of learning the things that we can do before is just getting familiar. And then, and I don't know if this is the during the divorce or the before, but I know if my clients can come to a mediation, having done that budget, that's helpful, but they kind of end up doing it a little bit during too. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that, that people can do during the process to give them peace of mind? And I will say my clients hate doing budgets, but <laughs> once they do, there's relief. Even if they're kind of disappointed that, you know, they thought maybe they'd have more money, at least the realization and they can actually see where they stand is so much better than being in the dark about it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the big thing is people create these big fears in their minds and it just like swirls and it keeps people up at night and it can just yes. be so stressful. And that's what I love about the focus for financial planners through divorce. It's all about giving people clarity. So they know exactly what they're dealing with. So part of that education is also knowing what your state laws are, generally speaking, around some of the things that you're going to have to deal with. So just kind of learning, you know, is spousal support common in your area or not? You know, what are the variables that go into child support? What is separate property in your area? Is there, you know, are you in a community property state? Are you in an equitable distribution? You know, just having some basic knowledge before you start to get into actually negotiating things or what is the context that we're operating in here can be really, really valuable. But it can also lead to where do I need more information, right? Um, right. And especially during the process. So if you, for example, are, you know, especially we work with a lot of people who, you know, are, are remarried, you know, they, this is their second marriage, they came into the marriage with assets prior to the marriage, figuring out what is the marital estate? What are we even looking at here? And for some people, that's a very, very simple process because, you know, if you didn't come into the marriage with anything, it's, you know, you know what you're dealing with. And then for some people, it's more complicated and there may be some analysis that's needed, but that can be a really helpful to start to explore that and get some clarity around what we're even talking about before you start into a conversation and mediation because you have that background, you have that context, kind of have, you know, some framework to think about those things, even if you haven't done a full analysis yet, that can be really, really beneficial. But one of the things that I tell people to do, because they do have all these thoughts swimming around their head and they're worried about where am I going to live? Am I going to be able to stay in my house? What is this going to mean for my kid's school? You know, there's so many things that come up. It's just to stop whatever is swirling around in your mind and write it down, get it out of your head. And so that way, when there are very specific financial questions, we can dive into those things. We can answer those questions for you. A lot of times people have these financial fears, but they don't necessarily think about the risk management piece of financial planning, right? Which is a big part of what we do is understanding the fear, quantifying it, and then transferring the risk if possible, or at least establishing a framework to protect you from those risks. So really getting clear on what am I actually worried about? And to your point, if it's cash flow, if I'm worried, like I'm not going to be able to afford to stay where I'm at, or will I be able to? Having that budget is such a critical piece of information to know, like, can I afford it or not? Right? Yeah, absolutely. And even people who think they know, but haven't done a budget, 
really eye-opening. So I, I love that you bring that up. I also really want to acknowledge that you talked about getting that legal information. And mm-hmm. that's why I love if you can work with a high quality mediator, and it doesn't have to be an attorney, but someone that understands what the law is in your state, because mm-hmm. as an attorney, I can't give any legal advice when I do mediations, but I can give them all the information they need about how the law works. So very, very important. And then I call on financial advisors as needed because that's over my head. That's out of my range. And then writing down your questions, I mean, that would help me sleep at night just to get it on the paper so that I can get it out of my head and move on. So great advice. And now I just want to ask, I think there's one other thing, and maybe there's more that you can do during, (laughs) but I was going to ask you, what questions do you need to ask yourself when you're splitting up the assets to ensure that you have financial security. And this is so, so, so important. And so often people focus on like the house as the asset or the investment account, the stock that's being held. But what I focus on as a financial planner is liquidity. So making sure that you have access to liquid savings to deal with whatever life brings your way. You know, so often, especially when people do engage attorneys through the divorce process, you know, the fees can go up significantly. People are blowing through their savings. A lot of times they're taking on additional debt. Well, if you're going to be managing debt after the divorce, it's so important that you have the cash flow to support that. And so if you don't have the cash flow, you're going to be tapping into savings. You don't want to necessarily be having to sell off investments potentially at a large tax liability, you know, really looking at not just the short-term implications of the decisions that you're making right now, but what are the long-term implications of the decisions? So a lot of times, especially, you know, a lot of people do go through a divorce when their kids are around that time of like graduating high school, maybe their student going to college, you know, they're kind of in that time frame. And so a lot of times people want to make sure that they stay in the, the marital home for a period of time for their kids to be able to make that transition a little bit easier, right? But sometimes when we look at the numbers, and that means you're going to give up all your savings in order to be able to stay in this house, that may not be in your best interest. That may not be in your kid's best interest either. If you're stressed, you're financially strapped to try to stay in this home, that just creates a lot more angst around the whole financial situation. And it just gets worse. It doesn't get easier. It compounds if you're already in a tight financial situation. So a big thing that we're always looking at is liquidity, just having access to assets that easily convert to cash. And what are the tax consequences associated with doing that? So that way you're well positioned to have flexibility and have freedom going forward. And you're not just now married to the debt or the house or whatever that is. Right. Amen. And that, I mean, here's in my simple buying. (laughs) It's always (laughs) like, you don't want to use your 401k to go buy a house because so I get that much, Leah. <laughs> but I mean, it is it is so important to look at that and what assets you can actually use and what which ones wouldn't be smart to use. So I think by having a financial advisor, you're going to be much better off because I know sometimes people are afraid to, you know, pay more money to have someone help them. But if you look into the future and the long run, it's totally, totally worth it. Well, and even, you know, I advised on a mediation case that was like a very low asset. I mean, these folks just didn't have a lot, 
But I advised because when they the mediator saw what they were wanting to do, basically just split everything down the middle, they didn't understand all the administrative expenses associated with that. And when I did the analysis, they were going to lose like 20% of their wealth. Now, mind you, this was a small case. But if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> and a lot of times people think that they're being you know, frugal or they're, you know, saving money by not necessarily hiring a professional. But in reality, what they don't know may be costing them significantly more than what they'll ever pay to that professional. Amen. And I, in fact, I'm thinking of someone that may need you right now. So we'll make sure that they get this information. But okay, so now let's look at after the divorce. So we've really, we've talked a lot about before, during, and I think you've, you've spoke before about realigning your money with your values after divorce. And what sparked in my mind when you were talking was I have clients that they're kind of shocked when they look at their budgets and they're like, well, I still, you know, I still need to go get my nails done. And it's like, well, I mean, let's really look at this. Is that realistic? Is that what you're talking about in in that it can be, but it can be a lot more than that too. Um, okay. And it can have much bigger financial implications. So first thing, when you are post-divorce or, you know, if you're not like fully divorced, but you're kind of, you got your settlement in place, like be realistic. Things have changed in your life. So if you continue to live like things haven't changed, that's just unrealistic. And it doesn't necessarily, and I want to be very clear about this, it doesn't necessarily mean that things change for the worse. For a lot of people, and one of the beautiful things about doing the financial planning piece is I get to work with people many years post-divorce, and I get to see how their lives evolved. So many of them are so much happier and you know, find themselves in a way that is just really, it's just beautiful to win. Mm-hmm. But when you are in the thick of it, it is hard to believe that that is true. Yes. Um, and so it's really important though, to recognize like things have changed and when things change, money has to change. Finances have to change. And that is partly going to be looking at, like you were talking about, what are my expenses? I was working with a woman who um, was married to a gentleman who really liked to have very nice expensive things, but they had a tremendous amount of debt that went right along with it. And so when she went through her divorce and we were working on her financial plan going forward, I said, look, this this car payment is just out of reach. Like this is just not a car that fits the current situation. Um, and so she was able to fortunately, you know, with the used car market being what it has been the last couple of years, she was able to, you know, turn it in, take care of the loan on it and get something that first of all, worked better for her family, but was also more in line with her current financial situation. And it was such a tremendous relief to her not to have that cash outflow every month. But so often when you go through a divorce, you just kind of let things go status quo, what you can. And I get it, like from an emotional perspective, you've already been through this huge change. You really want to deal with changing your vehicle too. You know, do you really want to deal with having to move? Like I, I completely understand where it's coming from, but if you want to position yourself well going forward, you do want to take a step back and evaluate these things. Does the home I'm living in serve me and serve what I want next in my life? Does the vehicle that I'm driving serve me and does it serve what I want next in my life? I work with a client whose husband liked to invest in individual stocks and he kind of picked them at random. He didn't have like a whole, not a clear process around it. So when they got divorced and they did have successful mediation, which was fantastic, but she ended up with all these individual stocks that she didn't know what to do with. 
And so looking at how do we manage your investments going forward, does it make sense to stick with the strategy that existed before or lack thereof? Or does it make sense to take a look at like, okay, what is your risk tolerance? Let's talk about where you are. What's your comfort with market volatility? What's your capacity for risk now that you've gone through this divorce? Your financial situation has changed. Do you have the same capacity for risk or do we need to be a little bit more conservative, right? Looking at all of it and making sure now that it is in alignment with what is going to serve you, your goals, and your values. The other thing is a lot of us compromise our values as part of being married. And when you get to kind of reclaim your life in this next chapter, you get to decide, what am I going to prioritize? What are my values? Am I prioritizing the nail appointment? If that's something that makes you feel good and gives you confidence and that's something you need to prioritize, that's fantastic. But if that's an expense that you have just because you've always done it, maybe it doesn't fit now. You know, so looking at all aspects. Yeah, I I love it. And I wrote down, it's an opportunity. I always like to see it as an opportunity, although I love marriage and I want you to stay married if you can, but divorce can be an opportunity. And this is an opportunity to be intentional with your finances to find out what your values are, not what you're trying to compromise. I mean, it is a huge opportunity to kind of expand that area of your life and to take it from here. Yes, absolutely. Hey friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe and to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com slash different. Okay, you have given us so much and I can't even believe where the time has gone, Leah. But as you know, at the end of my episodes, I always have what I call a saddle up segment where I have my guests give like one little tidbit or tool. You've given us so many. Sometimes I restate what they've already said, but just one thing that you would think could help my listeners right now today moving forward that they could do. I would say, I think that the value of financial planning is really underrated. There are so many people out there who are staying up at night worried about money that don't have that clarity. And that doesn't matter your level of wealth. There are people who have many millions of dollars staying up at night worrying about money. And there are people who are having trouble paying their bills day to day and everything in between. So it doesn't matter what your financial situation is. Financial fear is real. It wears on your physical health, your mental health. I mean, it just is so trying in every area of your life. 
And financial planning is really the process of giving you the clarity and not just today, but going forward. So you know that the decisions that you're making today, what does that actually mean for my life going forward? And so anybody who's gone through a major life transition, I just highly encourage them to take advantage of the opportunity to create a new financial plan for their life. So, so good, Leah. And I think even for myself, not going through a huge change, I've always had financial fears. And so your advice rings true for me as well, even though I'm not going through change. So I am so grateful for you. And we're going to have how to connect with you in our show notes. But tell my listeners, how can they find you if they want to chat with you about their finances? Yeah, thank you for asking. So we have a free Facebook group called Watch Her Thrive. And I am in that group answering questions. And so I just really encourage people to take advantage of that space. There are people who have gone through all kinds of life changes there, lots of them going through a divorce. And it is a space that there is no judgment. Come in, ask your questions, connect with the community. It's just a great space. Wonderful. Listeners connect. I might actually check it out myself. So please do. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure, Leah, to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Take good care. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter. 